Marco Coletti Spaghetti says, I'm going to debunk. So he's going to do some debunking for the, the record, Fuck Android. Fuck Android for making it. Oh, what's that? You want to transfer files via USB? No. Do you want to use Google Drive? Oh, we'll work the first two times and then we'll disable the download option. What's that? You want to use a FTP transfer? Ah, fuck off. Many have tried to debunk, but none have succeeded. So. Yeah. Good luck, Coletti. Good luck. You're going to need it. Because we've all seen the family Ness. I didn't like it. We've uh, all seen the bog mess monster. The bog mess monster. No, I've morning. seen the bog mess monster. I've seen I bought a vampire motorcycle where Michael Elphick as a turd jumps into uh, Neil Morris's mouth. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you seen that one, Ian? I bought my vampire motorcycle. I haven't. No, it sounds a bit like Boone, though, because Neil Morrissey and uh, yeah, yeah, it's got. It's, in I, that. Think, I think they did that film on the back of Boone. I think it, yeah. it was like uh, mid. Uh, was it like early nineties? Was it dumb like ninety two? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. I think it was a bit shit though with Boone, wasn't it? If I remember rightly. Well, the, so, the, the, set, the, the soundtrack actual... was good, wasn't it? You like that? Yeah. So the blood vessel was in an episode as well. So was John Gaunt. Mm. Was John Peel in it? No, never mind. <clears throat> John Pedo. Anyway. Yes. So yeah, Alphabet Cat knows it. Hi ho, Silver. You yeah. The Lone Ranger. You remember that? The, 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 the theme tune was the best part. You just watch that and then turn it off. And then Morrissey went on to um, being men behaving badly, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. With, Harry, with Enfield. Harry Enfield. Do you remember the first series with yeah. Harry Enfield? Yeah, it didn't work, that, did it? Did it was on ITV as well. BBC bought it. Yeah. Put Morrissey in instead of Enfield, and it became a hit. No, they didn't. Lamar oh, it was Martin Clunes the original then, was he? Mark no, Lamar wasn't in it. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, Martin Clunes, was he the original flatmate? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, he was, yeah. He was, yeah. I thought it was Neil Morrison and Harry Enfield, and no, then Martin no, 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 no. Neil Morrissey was the addition. Oh, Neil. oh okay, All right. Boons has always been in it. I don't think the two women. Jesus, God damn it! I think Hobbit's going to cry anyway. in a minute. I, I, I hate Android. Fuck Android. I think it's a good film. You think, that, you think that's bad? You think that's bad? Just imagine if it was an iPhone, Hobbit. Oh, smartphones are such dog shit. I hate <laughs> Done with the bastards. An old Nokia, then. I'm sure you can. Yeah, get a Nokia 5110, Hobbit. With snake on it. <clears throat> well, yeah. The thing is, I'm kind of in a bind, though, because, like, Google Maps is a pretty good sat-nav. Yes. Anyway. Hobbit, we kick on with the programme tonight. Alphabet cat suggests. 
Robin. A what phone? A Linux-based phone. <laughs> That's what I'm oh, suggest. Well, why, why, why don't you just go and eat some vegetarian corn with a Brutus if you like a Linux so much? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Damien says a relative of his sold his Ford Granada to the boon to the makers of Boone and it got blown up in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's when a, if it's the Mark III, then that's good because that was just a big Sierra, wasn't it? A yeah. jelly mold. As you've won before, the boxy one. The Scorpio one. was nice because that was the one with all the uh, yeah. bells and whistles on. Yeah, but it was still it was still a jelly mold. The uh, the early eighties one, the boxy one, is is a good one. The yeah, big yeah. Cortina. Yeah, no, that was a nice car. Before that, the rounded one was better. Yeah, sort of. I know. I preferred the um, I preferred the eighties one, but uh, yeah. But anyway, shall, shall we shall we well, kick on with, the, of, with this early Cortina oh, Mark right. Four as well then? Ian. Mark Four. Um, that the eighties one. I'm That's trying to place one, it. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like that as well, but you know, the Granada was just they, they just made it a, a Cortina a bit bigger, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, a Mondeo, yeah, which I think isn't the, is a Mondeo. Uh, isn't a Mondeo a modern Granada? No, I think the Mondeo. So got it actually. Mondeo actually, is, I forgot. No, no, because I did a modern Granada. Do you not remember it? it had that weird smile-looking thing on the front. The the front yeah. like a smile. Do you remember that? It was a, a horrible, ugly thing yeah. that died a death. Yeah, I do remember they had some funny ones before they got rid of it. Strange, isn't it? I said I had a I had a Mondeo, but actually I've still got it. <laughs> so I forgot I even had it. But yeah. But I anyway, like Mondeo. Yeah, well, I quite like them. I like mine. The Jaguar S Type is a Ford Mondeo. Yeah, it's got the Jaguar bits on it. I fans, I quite like those, but um. When I go, when I was gonna, well, they they stopped making them a long time ago, didn't they? So you know you can't well, the buy, buy, yeah, you can't buy a decent spec one now. What do you old. mean? You you can get, you can still buy them on the second hand market. I got a Jaguar. Yeah, but they're but they're well this old. Is, hold on a minute. This is fourteen so, words, twenty not years old. Tina words. And? Hey, <laughs> you know, if they made a newer version. It'd be the best car in the world. I mean, I've That's got good. a Jaguar S Type. It's twenty-two yeah. years old. I really like it. Mm. I'm, I'm uh. happy with my new cars are shit. Fuck new yeah, cars. They're, they're more reliable, though, aren't they? When you get in, when no, you drive, not, like, not but country miles mile, they're not. I mean, I've worked in vehicle recovery. I can tell you, most of the recoveries I did were modern cars. They got too much electronics in them. They always go wrong. And the other thing that's awful is the the um, handbrakes electronic as well. So when you run out of power because the computer on the on the cars doesn't switch off, oh look, they can't move the handbrake, so you're stuck. You have to use something called uh, slippery gyms. Absolute fucking dog shit. Fuck modern cars. Can't stand them. Would never drive one. Right. I'm sure there's not going to be a lot of modern cars in the, in the episode you've got planned for us, Ian. Oh, well, oh, yeah. before we actually get stuck into the episode, there, there is a conspiracy also. theory based on this. Chat, I would like your opinion on this. Tell me if you know anything about this. 2030 seems to be a deadline to ban a lot of things. Smoking, uh, coal for domestic fire use, and certain types of wood would be banned for domestic fire use. Um, the sale of new I petrol and diesel well, cars would be banned. Or they just suggested not to. Red meat, contact sports, pregnancy, uh, abortion, but then again, so will pregnancy be illegal without a license? It's pretty much like, yeah, it's pretty much going to be like demolition man, the society. (laughs) 
Taco Bell end more like. Uh, one moment, anyway, please. okay, so should we get on with this? Because we've got shit, quite a bit to get through yeah. tonight, and then we can talk about cars as well as we go. Yeah. All right, okay, let's kick off. Ian's, Are you Ian's ready, double, everyone? Ian's double it's date it. from the weekend, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of all right. <laughs> no, if you're sitting comfortably. Oh, you ruin it. No, don't know. Anyway, so, okay. So, we're all familiar with the classic images of the Loch Ness Monster swimming wow. across the loch before plunging into the murky depths. But does the creature ever leave the water and come ashore, I hear you ask? Well, the answer to the question is yes. And tonight, we're going to have a look at the occasions when the monster was seen on land. But first... We've had some developments on the videos that I took when I went to Loch Ness in April. Um, I shot some footage of uh, Steve Felton's mobile home on the shore of the loch, and it was all locked up, and uh, there was no one there. And on my commentary to the video, I expressed my doubts about whether Steve lived there at all. Anyway, <clears throat> about two months after I posted the video on YouTube, a comet appeared from Steve Feltham instead, it, it, the, the person himself, in response to my video, and it reads as follows. <clears throat> yes, I do live here. I also go out. 31 years this has been my home. You, were also, you also were not at your home when you were filming mine, so does that make your home your apparent home? Ooh, <laughs> handbags! Ooh, he's not very pleased. Eh? Hey, hey. Ooh, you didn't like that, what I said. Anyway, I didn't mean to upstep uh, Steve Felton, and he doesn't seem to understand the context of my Steve video. Felton, Steve Felton, Steve Felted, more like. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Steve smelt them because he smells <laughs> in the playground. That's what he was called in school, and he, so he used to cry. Steve Felton stalking you now, Ian. You're going to have to get him straight. Steve felt them because he feels men up. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> feels their balls. Steve felt them. Anyway, so. Anyway. I don't know how he found my video. He must have been Googling himself, which is a bit sad <laughs> yeah. in itself. And I can only suggest that he man up and grow up here. But anyway. <clears throat> he, needs to, he needs to stop Googling men. Yeah. Anyway, so, but that's interesting because a few months back, uh, Tim Dinsdale's daughter caught me snooping around her property and now I've upset Steve Felton. So I'm becoming a bit of a nuisance to the people connected Loch Ness. You, so. You're going to get to the bottom of it, Ian. I think next, though, I think next I'm going to put dog dirt through Nicholas Witchell's letterbox there and uh, cause more unrest. He was involved in Loch Ness, Nicholas Witchell, you know, the newsreader. <clears throat> yeah, he, was, he wrote a book about it and used to go there and be involved with the search teams. But anyway. <clears throat> anyway, enough about that. Let's get on with tonight's hot topic. This monster, land sightings. So what we'll do first, we'll go over to Dom. He's going to run through some of the early reports. Over to you, Dom. Right, um, <clears throat> the earliest account of the Loch Ness Monster seen on land comes from 1527. It's also one of the earliest reports of the monster, perhaps the second documented sighting. 
Duncan Campbell refers to the monster as a terrible beast which came out onto the land, started the beast then went on to kill three men that attacked it with its powerful tail. There is no description of the monster and not much more detail to the story, mainly due to the tale being almost 500 years old, and it's the only time that the monster has killed anyone. Hmm, violent. Uh, next encounter. <laughs> Completely uncalled for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the next encounter with the Loch Ness monster on land is relayed by Una McPherson. Happened on a summer's day in 1879, whilst Una was having a picnic with a group of children in the Urquhart Bay area of the lock. Una recounted the sightings as follows. Coming down the slope behind and towards us, an enormous and extraordinary animal, bigger than an elephant, but about the same sort of colour, had a head perched on a relatively slender neck. It turned from side to side and seemed to peer at us. It passed a few yards to one side and waddling down the lake where it entered the water and disappeared. It had a long tail. Children hurriedly abandoned their picnic and at first Una's parents did not believe her story. However, when word got round the next day that 18 other children had also seen the animal, her parents grudgingly admitted that there must be something to the story after all. Some I do have something like, that's tangentially related to, to this, by the way. So once you've done your bit, I'll, I'll mention a painting I've seen. Sure. Um, some years later, in 1910, Una went to a circus and saw a performing sea lion. It brought back memories of the encounter all those years ago. Flashbacks. She went on. Both had the same type of flippers and a similar head. Even the same colour, dark grey. They even moved in a similar way, humping its shoulders. In fact, the only difference I could see between the animals was the one at Drumnagrochit was faster. Drumnagrochit. That's the one. That one there. Was fatter and more clumsy, with a longer neck, and of course it was larger, very much larger, almost the size of a horse. They hung um, like a horse as well. Yeah. So this is um, uh, one of the things that's been said. That there's a painting called "The Suicide of Saul." I've put it in uh, general, and it's from 1562. And the description says that people knew about dinosaurs back in the 16th century. If you look closely, you will see three dinosaurs in the centre of the painting with riders sitting on them. Many people think they were camels, but they weren't. The ancient legends of many nations mentions dragons. If you go into detail, this mythical creature is very similar to dinosaurs. In other words, dragon is the folkloric name for a dinosaur. We, again, refer to the dinosaurs episode for it being a load of bollocks. Dinosaur meaning How terrible could... lizard. How could these ancient animals get into myths and legends if, according to the generally accepted scientific theory, dinosaurs became extinct tens of millions of years before the appearance of man? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting painting. They're quite significantly like They remind me of a brontosaurus with a long neck. Hmm. Yeah. There are similar creatures still alive, like the giraffe, the elephant, the rhino. 
sure, you know, could well be mythical beasts if they weren't still alive and we knew about them. The alligator, the whale, and so on. The baskin shark. So, yeah. They found the thing um, recently with a bunch of whales where they're just standing on end and uh, nobody knows what they're doing. They'd beat up a shark, probably. They're sleeping. No, they're not sleeping. That's the thing. They they said, no, they're not asleep. They're just there communing. Mm. Been a laugh. Anyway. Yes, can I, shall I take you back to Urquhart Bay? Yes. Um, a, year, a year later, in 1880, in the area of the lock, Eric Bright and his cousin saw a strange animal emerge from the woods, actually waddle down to the water's edge on four, four short legs, grey in colour, and stood about three breaths, looking from side to side with its long neck. Then it entered the water and swam quickly across the lock, leaving a tremendous wash. It was dark grey, and by the look of it, it was the very same animal that was seen by the children the year before. When they arrived at the spot where the animal had entered the water, the men found the ground was covered with prints made by some sort of clawed flippers. Hmm. Now let's go back to Ian. Claude Flippers yeah, so. to Claude Balls. <laughs> Interesting. Sergeant Oinkwinson says chickens are related to dinosaurs in the oh, same shit. way in the same way that uh, Barry George used to claim to be related to Freddie Mercury, didn't he? So, <laughs> oh, so like a pigeon is just a distant cousin of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, I doubt it. Well, that's what they say, isn't it? That's what they say, so... Yeah, but they say a load of bullshit, don't they? Like, they say, uh, I need another £5 million in seven years to study shark sleep. <laughs> Even though so we can find out whether shark sleep or not. Can, yeah. They can say that if they want. It doesn't really bother me. It's like they said that, uh, you know... I want to get on the racket where I can claim millions of pounds to sh study fish sleeping. Mm. <laughs> We're in the wrong game. You want to kill a shark, hold it upright. Right then, okay. That's what whales do to kill sharks, is hold them up, right? Because they can't, it stops the water going through their gills, yeah. So anyway, um, let's get on with this, because we're mucking around a bit here, aren't we? So, in the 1890s, it was reported that a gypsy woman came across a large creature lying next to the Doors Foyers Road. Uh, she was so afraid that she rushed home to her husband who also happened to be her brother. Uh, thereafter, she always detoured around the spot. So that's what happened in the 1890s when the monster came on land. And then we move into the 20th century. There were more reports of the monster being seen on land. Let's have a look. On, the, on a September afternoon in 1909, a group of children were playing on the lock shore about three quarters of a mile from Fort Augustus when an unusual encounter took place. One of the children, Margaret Cameron, was interviewed in 1971 and recounted the following tale as to what happened that day. I was with my two brothers and young sister Lizzie, who was in a pram. We were waiting for some friends and we were passing the time by skimming stones across the water. 
you heard this awful crackling in the trees on the other side of the little bay. It must have been something awfully big, we thought, and of course we had warned, been warned not to go near the lock by our grandparents as there were these wild horses in the lock and we thought this was now, must be one of them. Maybe referring to the Kelpie there. Um, so we sat, say, yeah. we sat for a wee while and this crackling seemed to be coming nearer and nearer and then suddenly this big thing appeared out of the trees and started to move down the beach towards the water. I couldn't tell you if it had a long neck or short neck because it was pointing straight at us. It had a huge body and its movement and its movement was as, as if it had come out of the trees uh, as it came out of the trees was like a caterpillar. I would say it was a good 20 feet long, what we saw of it, and now the colour of it. I hadn't seen an elephant in them days, but it was the colour of an elephant, and it seemed to have a rather shiny skin. Have you seen a peanut stand or a rubber band, or a needle that we no. In those days, people didn't even go out of their villages, did they? So, But had she not seen an elephant, how did she know it was the colour of an elephant? <laughs> you must have seen one since. It was 1971. Under it, we saw two short round feet at the front and it lurched to one side and put one foot into the water. Was it playing uh, We didn't wait to see the end. Yeah, we didn't wait. We, we didn't wait to see the end of it coming out. Uh, we got far too big a fright. When we got home, we were all sick and couldn't take out our tea. So we had to explain what happened, and we told our mum and dad, and our grandfather was... said, you want to see my elephant's trunk? And it, the <laughs> grandfather was here, so it's probably him. <laughs> well, yeah, the grandfather was there, and I can see him banging on the table and telling us not to tell anybody about it, so he may have known of the monster. Yeah. Anyway, we were put to bed with a big dose of castor oil. Oh! Still very vivid well, in my mind. You, don't Shit you take that bed. to make you puke? You know, they used to take it in the old days. Yeah. Oh, is it? Is that what it does? She followed, she followed through. Anyway. Shit the bed. Yep. Ah, joke's on you when I have to change your bed because you've shit yourselves. That'll learn you. <laughs> <laughs> Are Scottish people, like, not very smart? <laughs> Incontinent, aren't they? It's like Jeffrey Dahmer's mother taking all those sleepers asleep. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyway, just finish Is off it, this. Well, there still seems very... to be a thread coming through this, like people who try to sleep and shit themselves. Yeah. <laughs> when you so anyway, so um, you for real. It's still very vivid in my mind. I shall never forget it. And that's the end of the story. Um, so there, you put it on a bit soon, uh, what, Hemi. The but in that the bed there, or, the, or the monster. Uh, both. But mainly the picture there, of the, that picture there is actually of the witnesses in their later years, sisters, Margaret Cameron and her younger sister, Leslie. So that's not... I don't fancy yours, but... That yeah. young... Leslie yeah. the sister, Vista. <laughs> well, don't look at the fireplace, eh? <laughs> what you do there. Um, oh, I the new. Oh, yeah. Look in a right pair she of busy like bodies, aren't they? Looks like she wouldn't she? Here with curtain twitchers. Alaxes. You'd need on her tatties. Yeah. As Dawson's mother-in-law. She's got a, all, all that castor oil. She, she's got a colon you could see your face in, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt having a good chin wag about other people's business over yeah. the garden fence. <laughs> okay. 
and probably like racist they are, they are as well. Lock. Are they standing in front of the lock, are they? I don't know. Wherever they are, they probably know everyone else's business, don't they? Yeah. What know what her at number twenty three is up to. Dim over the road. Anyway. Anyway, so there you go. Bit of a bit of a Anyway, anyway. So let's anyway. go on to the next one. In 1912, the monster decided to come ashore again as a monk observed the beast come out of the woods and enter the lock near Fort Augustus Abbey. Then, on a stormy night in February oh, 1919, that? <laughs> that's what they did. I know. We're up to something with one of the choir boys. Yeah. We've heard the rumours. You know how to get them pregnant, yeah. don't you? That's the Catholic one. I'm not sure what they are, but monks. Catholic ones, they're the ones that have the uh, reputation for that. Isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, then on a stormy night in February 1919, young Jock Forbes and his father were returning in their pony and cart from Inverness. Um, yeah, nearing the hamlet of Inverfrag, they put their the pony suddenly startled and backed away. Jock and his father peered ahead, and there was something crossing the road out of the forest and ambling towards the lock. As they tried to climb the pony, they were aware that whatever was in the road before was a very big animal. As it splashed into the water, and Jock's father murmured to himself in Gaelic, spurred the pony forward and rushed home. Jock later recalled that he never spoke of the incident again. Well, how can we know it now, though? But anyway. Never. He never spoke of it again, Ian. Yeah. Now it's pronounced Gaelic. Everyone knows about it, especially those two women. They know about it. Yeah. They're right, good chin wag. In 1923, two miles north of Inver Morrison, Alfred Cruikshank saw a bizarre hippo like animal, 20 to 25 feet long, with webbed feet, across the road in front of his car. Yeah. Uh, he described it as having a short <laughs> neck, unusual, a long tail, and four thick legs. So, humanity. It's been an elephant walking yeah. backwards. They've been doing the, doing the moonwalk. <laughs> in the heyday <laughs> of the Loch Ness Monster in 1924, um, this, the Lissing Gazette printed the following story. Oh, I didn't tell you, Ian, did I? I was around, my dad's, the, I was around my dad's the other day. I, I, went, I went to him and I said, I said, Dad, there's a, there's a man at the door with a bill. He said, it's probably a duck with a hat on. Ah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Right. Or the microwave one. Yeah. What's that one? You've heard that one anyway. I'm not going to... Well, if you want we'll have it again. How do you turn a duck into a soul singer in the microwave until it's Bill Withers? Oh. <laughs> thought everyone's heard that one, though. Anyway, back to this. One Burness man, Robert Henderson, claims to have seen the Loch Ness Monster nine years ago. He was motoring with Mr. James Patterson from Inverness to join yeah, uh, the Drocket. Karaoke uh, says in chat, he says, did he have blue hair and glasses? Was it was it lecturing people about their pronouns, this hippo? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, about two miles from the village, the car's headlights showed the monster crossing the road. According to Mr. Henderson, it resembled a seal in gen... Yeah. To the other side. It was the chicken's day off. <laughs> to go to um, Alaska, wasn't it? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> it was much larger than a seal. There was something uh, on its large rounded humpback, and it looked like wings. So the monster had wings this time. Suddenly it raised its head to give a throaty cry and bounded might, might on its been, flippers. Might just Paul McCarthy off... solo. You don't necessarily know mm. its wings, do you? 
Yeah, with Linda. Linda Singh. on about vegetarian shit. And then, yeah. he, and then he, she died and he replaced her with the one-legged woman, wasn't it? Yeah. Who took him to the cleaners. Um, anyway, so the flippers bounded off on the road into the lock. Mr. Henderson noticed that it was about 20 feet long with a tail like a crocodile. He was amazed at its agility. Thinking that people would only laugh at them, Mr. Henderson uh, and his friend did not tell anybody at the time that they had seen the monster. But then these were not the days of monsters. Today, monsters are common as peas and difficult to catch, is what he said. So, yeah. Yeah. In the early 1930s, Alec Muir saw the monster crossing the road in front of his Model T Ford near Doors. The beast was about the height of his car, and he followed the trail through the woods to a clearing in which there was a large depression of crushed moss. No evidence. Also in the early 1930s, a group of drummer rocket school children told their teacher they had seen the most peculiar and horrifying animal in a swamp by Urquhart Bay. When shown a picture of a plesiosaur, they said that was the animal they had seen. So, must have been the monster. And again, in early 1930s, a couple driving along the shore road near Fort Augustus Abbey saw the monster on a hillside. The woman promptly suffered a heart attack, and the husband rushed her to the monastery while the monster plunged into the lake. So... Oh, I've yeah, seen something so, slightly unexpected. I'm just going to go have a heart attack now. The monster killed some people in the first tale, didn't it? And they're causing a heart attack. But anyway. Um, she had it coming. Yeah. So, yeah, we're now approaching the glory days of the monster. Uh, they like, like the early days we covered there with some sightings. We'll just go over to Dom now. He's going to tell us a bit more um, as we head into the 1930s. Oh, you... no, not the 1930s. Okay. Yeah. Next land sighting took place in 1932 by Lieutenant Fordyce. So, and let's have a look at a picture of him. Yeah, Amy, let's look at this bloke. Next picture, he's please. Like, Get rid of those old right hacks. Yeah, yeah. Imagine him. Imagine him having a threesome with those two women before. <laughs> yeah, yeah in it, in it, doing both of them, picking it in turns to do both of them. Yeah. Like ultra mature porn. Yeah. Do yeah. yeah. you think of that um, Hobbit? Imagine I'd rather not. Hobbit. No, <laughs> you can't make me think about these things. His ass going up and down. Don't think about red elephants. Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Boring bastard. Anyway. He's what he said of the encounter. April 1932, while living in Kent, my fiancé and I travelled to Aberdeen to attend a family wedding. At the conclusion of the function, rather than return south straight away, I decided to show her a little of my native land. Is this the one where he says I woke up the next to Inverness. morning and been sick in my Preparations appeared to be... I said, is this the one where he woke up the next morning and someone was sick in his pants? Uh, someone shat my pants. <laughs> Cut across to Inverness while preparations of it appeared to be in full swing for a Highland gathering. After dinner in the late evening, we took a stroll through the town, 
saw men in shop doorways and at street corners practicing on their bagpipes. Oh, hold on one the air was full of sublime music, done. rent with it, strange wild sounds. I think it's crashed. Again. Uh, is it playing okay for everyone? We on here. Um, oh, but can you check the stream? In the chat, everyone, can you hear it okay? Yeah, can you hear us okay? Yeah, I'll just go and listen to the stream right now. I can hear the stream, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Then. Yeah, yeah it the was, stream's running. It was swirling for me. I didn't know. I didn't know whether OBS had crashed, but I did update it, and we didn't have any problems last well, week. So, I think it's all right, fine. so I'm it, good. It swirled, actually. I had a swirl then as well. Mm. Yeah. Right. So anyway, uh, bagpipes and shit. Um, the following morning, we set off on our journey back to England. Weather was fine, a beautiful spring day, and we had a lovely run by the side of Loch Ness as far as Boyers, where we spent a short while admiring the famous waterfall. Shortly after leaving Foyers, the road to Fort William turns away from the Loch side and runs through well-wooded country with the ground falling slightly towards Episode, the lock, but the end of the at about 25 miles per hour in this wooded section. Hmm? What's that? that? <laughs> I accidentally opened a window. End of the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went off then, sorry. Wait. <laughs> Yeah, travelling at about 25 miles per hour in this wooded section, we were startled to see an enormous animal coming out of the woods on our left, making its way over the road about 150 yards ahead of us towards the lock. It had the gait of an elephant, but looked like a cross between a very large horse and I've a camel. Seen a, I've never seen an elephant with a gait. What, what's an elephant doing with a gait? <laughs> Gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> The hump on its back and a small head on a long neck. I stopped the car and followed the creature on foot for a short distance. In the rear it looked grey and shaggy. Its long thin neck gave it the appearance of an elephant trunk raised. Fortunately I'd left my camera in the car. Always a bloody case, isn't it? In any case I quickly thought dis discretion the better part of valour and returned to the vehicle. Cheat himself. Strange animal occupied our thoughts and conversation for many, many miles. Came to the conclusion that it was an escaped freak from a, a menagerie or zoo. Felt that a beast of such tremendous proportions would soon be tracked down and captured. There is a shirt that Ford I saw. Do the next one. Mock up. Let's have a look and see the animal you saw, and see if oh, this well, is uh, is how we know the monster. Okay, <laughs> it's a camel. Yeah, no. I don't know what to well, say. It's something a strange. Camel. Yeah, uh, it's not the usual um, image we have of the creature, is it? But uh, anyway, yeah, the rather unusual one. It's very strange. It's a very small head. Yeah, small head, long neck. Long legs. The usual flippers that we're familiar with. But How anyway. does it eat enough with such a small jaw? Yeah, uh, must be a vegetarian diet to get down there. Terrible. 
its nose. Oh no! Go on, go for it, Dom. Uh, still going. Apart <laughs> from scanning the national papers for some time in search of mention of the creature, we let the matter rest. I told other members of my family we had seen what we had seen, and they urged me to publish the story. But I've not done so until now. At the time of the sighting, we were quite unaware of there being anything strange in Loch Ness. In autumn of that year, stories started appearing in the press of an unusual animal being seen in and around the loch. It was the spring of 1933 that the term Loch Ness Monster came into general use. Was it Hitler that did it? Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a diversion from what was going on over there. <laughs> Uh, William McLean came across a large animal lying on a gravel beach near Norris. Animal slithered into the lock when McLean approached it. In 1933, David Stewart observed a grey-coloured uh, thing come out of the bushes in Altsea, disappeared into the lock and had a long neck. Here we go. To Ian. Yeah, good stuff. Interesting there, isn't it? Because this is when the monster started to become famous in the 1930s, early 1930s. You also had Jeff the Talking Mongoose at the same time. Yeah. Woolly Rectory as well. That was that, still that's going. Jeff the talking so, mongoose, yeah, interesting time. The 30s. Has Harry Price never been yeah. involved in Nessie then, Ian? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Harry Price has been involved with Nessie. No, I, well. The thing is, uh, Nessie could have been a, an actual. No, he, he hasn't because. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the, Are you calling it could Harry be Price like a, a real animal, it? a real creature, in it. That's. Whereas uh, he was Harry Price was into the supernatural, wasn't he? So, whereas Ness is a real monster, a real flesh and blood monster that breeds. So it looks a bit like as in the eco chain. Mm. But anyway, let's move on, and now we're getting into the some of the story, some of the stories that made the monster famous. So let's look at this one. On the afternoon of July uh, the twenty second, nineteen thirty three, Mister and Missus George Spicer were driving along the east side of Loch Ness. It was around three thirty or four p.m. Uh, they were about halfway between Doors and Foyers. They were driving up a slight hill when an extraordinary creature crossed the road in front of them. The creature was only in view for a few seconds, and it practically took up the whole of the road as it crossed. Uh, the location on the body where the Spicers presumed the head would have been uh, was across the road before they had time to take in the whole shape properly. Uh, so they didn't see the head. The skin was greyish in colour, and they couldn't see a foreskin. They described the overall colour as being like a dirty elephant having a dirty protest. The body of the creature was large and thick, and it moved across the road in a series of jerks before it ejaculated. A long tentacle, which was presumed to be the neck, stretched towards the right of the road. Uh, this neck undulated up and down and uh, in an up and down motion like a man's member and twisted in a series of This is of highly sexual, hoops. isn't it? The, the, you know, so I, think some, I think somebody needs a bit, don't they? I think that's what... Well, this has turned into hentai. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the creature then vanished into the shrubbery on the other side of the road. 
There were no visible legs of any sort, nor no air or a tail, but the body sloped down to the start, start of the neck, about four to five feet above the roadway. The Spicer saw something flopping down. Mr. Spicer said of this appendage, I took this to be the end of the creature's long tail, swung around the body. Uh, the way it flopped up and down reminded me of my flaccid cock just before I've had a that's after it. I've had a piss, that's shaking George my Takai dick up say, and oh down my. to get rid of the drips. So I don't, <laughs> so I don't end up with a wet penny showing at the front of my light grey trousers. And they're the <laughs> they're the words of the witness, <laughs> Mr. Spicer. Mr. Spicer also thought this object may have been a smaller creature. Riding on the bigger one, reverse cowboy style. So, <laughs> or do then. Let's have a look at a, uh, the artist's impression of what the uh, the spices saw on that fateful day. So, let's just have a look at the next picture there, a Hobbit. What the Let's fuck see, is Emmy, that? I mean, we'll have a look and see what we got. It's a big spur. <laughs> picture number four. Hey. Okay. It looks so, like a big spur. Looks, not, looks not, like it. Yeah. So, Spicer described the. Yeah, that's something unusual. It's not a, the Spicer described the creature as looking overall like a huge snail with a long neck, but looks some, like something you would see in an Ann Summer shop on the shelf next to the double-ended dildos or maybe something to put up your arse while you pleasure yourself or something your wife would put in her cunt. So that's what got there. You know, that's what they saw. The road is at least 12 feet across, with a grassy knoll on each side. The creature had fully crossed the road and vanished down the slope uh, by the time the Spicer's car reached the spot, and the trees between the that, road and the lake the blocked nest, any good yeah. view of the shoreline itself. Uh, they slowed down as they passed the spot, but did... I said I never saw that yeah. one in the family nest. Or the other one, the legs. Yeah. But they passed the spot, but did not stop. The grass on the other side of the road looked tramples down. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, me neither. Or the one with the long legs, eh? That one yeah. either. They're sort of fattish type creatures. <laughs> but anyway, so this was one of the sightings that kick-started the monster craze of the 1930s. So yeah, there you go. The Spicer sighting. Yeah, so... Uh, right, we never saw this in the family nest, but... Um, or on Scooby-Doo. But we did, didn't we? Because Scooby-Doo did have a feature-length Loch Ness uh, film. Oh, did they? Uh, which we can review one night. But anyway, so that's that. That's that sighting. Yeah. Anyway, in the in early August 1933, near Inverfrag, Mrs. T. McLennan witnessed a creature on land. She said it had four thick, clumsy legs with pig's hoofs. And in December 1933, near Inverfrag, Mister Reed, Mrs. Reed witnessed an animal resting on the Loch Shore. So, so yeah, it's around this period more people are seeing the monster in the water and in the land, as we know. Just go to the next picture there, uh, please, Hemi. Picture number five. We'll have a look at this oh, illustration. Oh, oh, it's the bike bike one. Yeah. Oh, that's like the Red Skull from Captain so, America. Is this good? Red Skull versus yeah, yeah. Captain America Loch Ness. Uh, yeah, Captain pretty good. Ness. Anyways, yeah, so the next sighting of the monster happened in the early hours of the 5th of January 1934. The witness was a veterinary student, Arthur Grant, was travelling down the side of the loch 
on his motorcycle. Grant said of his encounter, It was a bright new moonlight and uh, after rain had fallen, when almost 40 yards away, under the shadow of the hills, a, sh a short distance from the part reconstructed, uh, reconstructed as the Glasgow to Inverness Road near Abracan, I observed what appeared to be a large black object on the opposite side of the road. I was almost on top of it, top of it when it turned what I thought was a small head on a long neck and the, the creature apparently taking fright made two great bounds across the road and plunged into the lock. I had a splendid view of the object in fact I almost struck it with my motorcycle. It had a long neck with an eel-like head and large oval-shaped eyes just on top of the small head body was very hefty, and I distinctly saw two front flippers. There were two other flippers which seemed to be webbed behind, and there was a tail, which I est would estimate to be from five to six feet long. The curious thing about the tail was that it did not, so far as I could see, come to a point. It was more rounded off. The total length of the animal would be from 15 to 20 feet. Uh, knowing something about natural history, I can say that I have never seen anything like it in my life. It looked like a hybrid. I jumped off my cycle, but the animal, with great speed, had rushed into the lock, splashing the surface violently and making a way. So there you go. That's the Arthur Grant sighting. And if you put the next uh, picture up there, Hemi, yeah. we'll see an illustration. Obviously, that's a bit dramatised, that one. But if you look at the next one, this is the picture that Grant himself produced as to what he saw that night. So it had legs so and flippers. Look. Legs, flippers, well, tail, head, long neck. Legs and toes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's legs, what he looked like. Legs, flippers, knees and toes, knees and toes. Oh. It didn't take long for news of Grant's sighting to spread, and the day after it happened, the story appeared in the prestigious Times newspaper. The Glasgow Herald attended the scene of the sighting and reported that they found the remains of a goat, a mass of compressed hair, presumably gurgitated by the monster, and some tracks. So, yeah. They ran over a goat, um, basically. It'd been, obviously, the monster had killed a goat. Um and then thrown up so anyway monster hunter Marmaduke Wetherill who was later exposed as faking uh, Loch Ness monster evidence including the famous surgeon's photo got in on the act so let's look at the next photo there it's interesting next photo there if you could number seven have a look at that what we've got there in there fag on good lad having a fag yeah they all smoked in smoke those tabs. days <laughs> smoke tabs drink Just smoke anyway Eight years before it's illegal, along with petrol cars and yeah, everything yeah. else. So anyway, and alcohol. So what you've got there is uh, Arthur Grant on the uh, right-hand side, and Marmaduke Weatherall having a fag, inspecting the remains of a sheep uh, apparently killed by the monster. So, yeah, the days after the sighting. Um, but. Did Grant see the monster that night, or did he see something else? And was he mistaken? Was it all one big hoax, this? It's been suggested that Grant made it I all up. For a second. It was it was reported that Grant and a friend were overheard calling the, uh, the newspapers from a telephone at a local garage and saying, they've swallowed it. So that's just what someone said. 
Uh, Sarva Grant's encounter, though. But um, what happened that night, we'll never know. Did he see the monster? Was he on an acid trip or an E? Likely, the rave culture had yet to kick in in the 1930s. Was he simply pissed out of his head? Did he do a skid if he... a kid, whack his balls on a dustbin lid? Did he do that? Could have done, but if he did, it was okay to drink and drive in those days. Uh, the breathalyzer wouldn't be invented for many de- de- decades to come with it. So, um, but um, unlike these days, police technology is so advanced that breathalyzers don't just tell you how much someone has been drinking, but exactly what they've been drinking. So, I think it'd be a good idea what we're going to do now. We'll take the story we've just um, just heard, the Arthur Grant encounter, um, but let's put it into a contemporary setting and see what would have happened if Arthur Grant had his encounter not in 1934, but in 2022. So, what we'll do now, we're going to step into the actor's studio and play out what would have happened on that fateful night if it had occurred 2022. So, what we're going to do is um, Tom is going to play the part of Arthur Grant, and I myself will play the part of Police Constable Juliet Bravo. So, further ado. There's a reference for the kids, Ian. (laughs) Let's enter the actor's studio. Hello, hello, hello. Is this your vehicle, sir? Yes, it was the last time I checked anyway. Um, could we have less of the wisecracks, sir? Do you know why I'm stopping you? My dear constable, anyway, what are you doing around these parts? Shouldn't you be doing the Macarena at Gay Pride? <laughs> Don't get cheeky with me, son, or you'll find yourself in the station. Sorry, constable. Right. Have you got any idea what speed you are doing, sir? Hello, Constable. Don't you think it's about time you paid more attention to the rules of the road and less time acting the wise guy? I do, Constable, but I've just seen a big monster on the road and had to get away. Oh, you've seen a monster, have you? Do you think I'm stupid or something? You're a policeman. <laughs> right, that's it. I've had enough of your cheek. I have reason to believe that you've been drinking, and you're going to go down for this. Would you blow into this breathalyzer, please? It's the latest technology, so not only will I find out how much you've been drinking, but exactly what you've been drinking. Okay, Constable. Jacob's Creek, Chardonnay, 1991. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> right, let's see what this, what we've got. Hmm. Right, so I can see you've drunk two pints. And um, let's have a look what you've been drinking. Ah, aren't you Mark Almond? <laughs> and relax. <laughs> there you go. So that's what would have happened have happened anyway in a contemporary setting uh, of that encounter. 
Okay, well, just uh, warm down, just relax and warm down after that bit of. Um, I thought I thought the police were, uh, were uh, police are encrypted now, aren't they? You, you never see them, do you? Yeah, you do a gay pride, don't you? Yeah. So. Anyway, um, so yeah. you want to say, see the police say something mean on Twitter, <laughs> or if you want to upset upset Steve Feltham, say some it some it. Well, no, well, don't even bother saying anything. He upsets himself. Yeah, but anyway, he gets angry at the internet. And that bloke, but, and that bloke that moaned at us about our Fred West episode. Oh yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> First thing about that yeah, is though, I, what happened to what, because that was a re we uploaded that one for a second time, wasn't it? Yeah, it's got about I think it's got about three hundred views. The the first time it was about like two thousand. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> well, it got took down for some. Someone was someone was saying bad things, were they? Yeah, that's why it got took Anyway, mm, that's a shame. Though. Anyway. There you've I got was the that implication. <laughs> you said it three times last episode, I bet. I only say fuck or bugger a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, you, you made up for having not said it for a couple of weeks last week, didn't you? <clears throat> I was yeah. tired to animate. But anyway, okay. We're all trans. So that's now. the Arthur Grant in If you're on YouTube, okay. you've got to be trans. You can't get struck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Let's just move on there. So we got the Arthur Grant encounter and that's on our short um, role play at the end. So we saw, um, we saw these pictures a few months back. It's worth another look, though. Uh, just show the next picture there, Hemi. Uh, go to the next one. So near the site of Arthur Grant's encounter. Let's show the picture there. Uh, there is a mock-up of the monster. Look at that. If we can look at that picture. There we go. That's it there. So that's what Arthur Grant saw that night, and they've commemorated it with that full-size picture of Nessie. And if you go on to the next picture there, Hemi as well, picture number nine, we can have a look at that. And the accompanying plaque with the uh, statue uh, commemorating what happened that night for the tourists to see. Let's have a look at the next picture there. There we go. Tells you the in brief what we've just run through so yeah there we go so anyway now let's go back to dom who's gonna tell us more about the monster on land on the 30th of january 1934 about 8 p.m two local women trisha harvey and jean mcdonald fright of their life when they saw the monster on land less than a mile from augustus Witnesses were taking a walk along the new road near Knack Dock. And they were startled by the appearance of a weird looking creature which crossed the burn there and disappeared into the thick bushes fringing into the lock. It was a full moon. It was a clear night. Women stated that there was no possibility of their mistaking the strange creature for any familiar animal, especially as they were only 20 feet away when they first saw it. it said that the beast made no sound as it moved, in spite of its huge size. It was about 10 feet in length and had 4 feet. The height to the top of the head would have been about 6 feet, and the thickest part of the body appeared at the shoulder, tapering small dimensions at the tail. Yeah, 
which was of a dark colour with the exception of the underpart of the neck, which was white. Creature's legs appeared very short, but did not prevent it from moving with great rapidity. Men then shat themselves and made to the to the village with great haste. Skepticism suggested that the women had seen an otter, only due to the underside of the neck being white. The side of an otter's neck is white, but others, but the the otters grow to a maximum length of four feet. The women were adamant that what they saw was ten feet long, and being only twenty feet away from the creature when they saw it, it's unlikely that they were mistaken. Can we have the next picture, please? Yep. There we go. It's up. That's an otter versus Nessie, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Go take on. Yeah, so there's the size difference. Unlikely to be an otter what they saw, but obviously otters do have heads, whereas in this case the actual monster doesn't have a head. So anyway. I found someone who pronounces names nearly as good as uh, Dom does. Uh, I'll stick a quick Igna one. Drock it. Portugal take on uh, Greece in the, in the big open. And now let's get a Greek uh, point of view from the Greek daily newspaper, um, Eleftherith uh, Typos. Goodness <laughs> me, I, I hope I pronounced that right. And let's say a very good morning to next guest, George, George, oh, hold on, George, Georgia Kapopoulos. Oh, George, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm struggling with, I always have struggled with Greek names, George. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you didn't do too badly. He didn't do too badly. <laughs> <laughs> I do struggle with those Scottish names, says Don. <laughs> They're ridiculous, though. <laughs> okay, right. Well, the 22nd of February, 1934, near Foyers. Foyers, I got that one. That's good. Maureen Taylor witnessed a large creature with a long neck, heavy body, short, thick legs, with webbed feet moving to the water. Go back to Ian Hold on, are they, are they describing Nora Batty? <laughs> <laughs> she was one of those two women we saw earlier. And a wrinkle anyway, problems. okay then, let's go. So that's that. So yeah, still, so there's lots of sightings on the 1930s. They say it could have been down to King Kong as well, putting ideas into people's heads. <laughs> or the monster could have been real. Don't be all that out. This, let's look at this one. On the 5th of June, 1934, Margaret Monroe, daughter of Dan the Miller and native of Fort Augustus, was working as a maid to Mr. and Mrs. Pimley. Mr. Pimley was master at the Abbey School, sort of a posh school where the biscuit game was common. You get the sort of idea what uh, sort of community was Dan What's the Miller. The, was? Uh, the village simpleton. Mr. Pimley, the rich landowner, who would beat his staff and kick a horse. The sort of place where everyone knows each other, and everyone where knows each other. everybody knows his name. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, in, and incest is rife. But anyway, on Sunday the 3rd of June... Exactly. <laughs> on Sunday the 3rd of June of that year, Margaret was doing her shift at the Pimley's residence... Kill Countryman Lodge, even I'm having trouble now, which overlooks Borlam Bay. At 6.30am, she was looking out the window, 
looking out the window. So she wasn't getting on with her work then, idly looking out the window whilst Mr. Pimley was paying her for doing fuck all. So stop pay, taking the piss, easy fucking bitch. Anyway, it was during this bout of skiving that Margaret saw on the shore of the bay, as she put it, the biggest animal that she had ever seen in her life. Using binoculars, she observed the creature uh, was almost, but not entirely clear of the water. It was 300 yards away. Was it sitting on the shore of the bay? Uh, <laughs> it could well have been. But anyway, it was about 300 yards away as she watched uh, it for 25 minutes. So... From 6.30 to 6.55, when she really should have been cleaning the house. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Asked afterwards why she did not not wake Mr. and Mrs. Pimley, she said that being new in their service, she did not care to. It was so early in the morning. So stupid fucking... Shit, yeah, stupid fucking bitch. Plus, of course, <laughs> Margaret had started her shift at 6 a.m., and if the Pimleys got up a bit an hour later, they would have seen that she would have done fuck all, and they were paying her for it. So that's probably another reason why she didn't wake them. Margaret described the creature as having a giraffe-like neck and an absurdly small head, all at a proportion to the great dark grey body, skin like an elephant, two so uh, very short forelegs or flippers. The animal kept turning itself in the sunshine and at times arched its back into one or more humps. Finally, it lowered its head, quietly entered the water and disappeared. Ooh. So let's have a look at the next picture and we'll see, actually, Hemi, picture number 11, what Margaret saw on the shore of the lock when she should have been working, really. So let's have a look. Look at that. Yeah. Go on with your fucking work. Anyway. So we've got the next one up. And we can show the people at home. There we go. That's what she saw. Um, soon after 9am, Mr. and Mrs. Pimley went down to the beach to examine the spot. There was a slight impression on the rather heavy shingle. And in the centre, a small branch had been pressed into the gravel. Apple returned to the house at 10am to find that the house was still a mess. After four hours, Margaret hadn't lifted a finger, so they fired the lazy bitch. Anyway, we'll go back to Dom now, who's going to tell us more about Loch Ness land-based shenanigans. The 4th of July, 1934. About 9am, Ian Matheson witnessed a worm or eel-like creature wriggle out of the loch, feed on weeds at Glendo. A 30-foot-long body, but not very thick. Um, 12 humps and a horse-like head. Mane, which was shaking off water. Like a baby's arm holding an apple. <laughs> <laughs> September 1936, Scottish artist Arthur Dallas spotted a strange creature partly ashore in Urquhart Bay. She was apparently sucking on a rock. Being an artist, Dallas went on to produce some sketches of what he saw. Have a look at the next picture, please. Right, have a look. What the fucking hell? That's supposed to be. Sucking off a rock. Was she on the straight fence that day? <laughs> yes, unusual, unusual monster he saw that time. 
Okay. But yeah, and uh, the next one, do more. Okay. More angles of what you saw oh, that's that the day. Oh, the monster, with, even with the testicles down the bottom end of the neck. Yeah, there is a couple of balls. We saw this one in, uh, was it, um, Unexplained Mysteries the other week, weren't it, this one, I think. Mm. That, that's literally so it was just a cock, it. it? Mm. That, like, foreskin, yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. Not liking what he saw, Dallas ended up throwing a sandwich at the beast. Oh, right, that's going to scare the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only weapon he had. Yeah. <laughs> It was about 25 years until the monster was seen on land again when it exposed itself to Torquil McLeod, encounter that Ian is going to tell us about. Yeah, so there's a gap of 25 years. The monster interest beamed off towards the end of the 30s as the war kicked in. I'm not surprised they were very prudish so, back then, weren't they? They obviously didn't want to report yeah. sightings that looked like that one, did they? Well, yeah, interesting. So... Well, the next story, um, we have covered this case in the Loch Ness episode a few months ago, but it's worth revisiting, I think, so we'll run through it again. So, in February 1960, Torquil McCaud was looking across the southern end of the loch when he sighted uh, the monster partially ashore with its tail end trailing off into the water on the bank on the opposite side of the loch in an area called the Horseshoe Crag. Due to the horseshoe-shaped formation, made by the lock, wow, uh, the rock, sorry, on the lock side. To come up with that name, isn't it? Yeah. McLeod observed the creature through binoculars, uh, estimated the creature to be huge, perhaps 60 foot long. Uh, he said the following of his experience. Upon turning my glasses on the moving object, I saw a large grey mass. I'm inclined to think the skin was wet and dry in patches. And the, in the front, there was what looked like an outside elephant's trunk. Paddles were visible on both sides, but only at what I presumed to be the rear end. And it was this end that which tapered off into the water. The animal was on a steep slope, uh, and taking, taking its backbone as an approximate straight line was inclined about 15 to 20 degrees out of my line of sight. The trunk being at the top and to the left, and the tail being at the bottom of the water, to the right. For about eight or nine minutes, the animal remained quite still, but for its trunk. I assume head, but I could not see a head as such, which occasionally moved from side to side with a slight up-and-down uh, motion, just like a snake about to strike. Oh, do you know why, do you know why quite slowly. four feet? Go for it. They look silly with six inches. Uh, anyway, it was, to my mind, obviously scanning the shores of the lock in each direction. In the end, it made a half-jump, half-lurch to the left, its trunk coming right round until it was facing me. Then it flopped into the water and apparently went straight down. It must have been very deep, uh, close inshore at that point. As it turned, I saw a large, square-ended flipper, um and a big pair of rear paddles or flippers. So what we'll do, go to the next picture there, Henry. We'll just have a quick look at uh, what McLeod saw through his binoculars on that day. Picture number 14. We'll have a look at there. You can see in that. Okay. What's the line? Yeah. Is that exactly what he saw through his binoculars? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. The 
general shape. The usual shape. But, yeah, you get the idea. Uh, I think that what we will do now, also, again, we've seen this before. We can have a look again. It was in, it was in the episode a few months ago. Why not? If we show the clip of my visit, this site in, in, the, uh, in Loch Ness. Oh, Let's have a look. Nessie Hunter explains away mystery creatures, the next one. Yeah, we'll have a look. So. It's the Steve Felton picture is the next one after that one. Oh, no. Is it? No, it's not the picture. It's the video clip I sent you. Oh, sorry. So let's put that on. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we don't put that one on there. Uh, uh, where is it? Yeah, so that's... Uh, if we put the, play the video clip and we can see, for those who missed it or have forgotten about it, we'll have a little look at this. Uh, it's just yeah, a, a recap. Here we go. You can hear that. So, in February 1960, Turquil McLeod was stationed in about this position, opposite the Horseshoe Crag, when he spotted the monster, half in, half out on the shore, zoom in. This is what this is what the cloud saw through his binoculars. The creature's long neck was moving from side to side. So it's a sketch there. And that's where he saw it on the horseshoe. Let's zoom in and see if the monster is there today. No, nothing. No monster on the shore. What's that object there? No, that's not the monster. That, that's not the monster, that's just a bush. Clay would watch the monster for about 10 minutes and then it flopped back into the water with a splash. So, there we go, that was Torquil McLeod's sighting. So, uh, we're not as lucky today. There we go, all done. Yeah, so pretty good. Uh, so that's where he saw the monster. So, that's, so I had a look myself, I could see nothing. But uh, yeah. But anyway, okay then. So that's that sighting. Let's go over to Dom. He's going to tell us some more uh, of the sightings on land in the early 1960s and 70s. Go for it, Dom. In August 1962, Arthur and saw a long tubular animal into the water near Quark Castle. It sounded like a The 15th of May 1971, an anonymous man described as an reliable witness driving towards foyers when he saw a large grey animal appear from the woods carrying body parts in its mouth. It was lizard-like, 30 foot long, 6 foot tall with oily skin 
It then entered the water. On the 8th of July 1979, Ronald McKinnon saw a strange creature off the foyers. It was grey in colour, 24 feet long, long neck and 400 feet. It emerged from the wooded area and slithered into the water. You keep cutting out, Dom. I think you might need to get a little bit closer to your mic. <laughs> really? How's yeah. that? Yeah. That's better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the twenty-second Discord's re Discord's really good at sort at uh, muting out um, excess noise, but unfortunately, if you get too far away from your mic, it starts cutting you out. Right. Okay. On the twenty-second of February, nineteen ninety-nine, an anonymous witness saw a thirty-three to fifty-foot monster, long neck, cross the road in front of their car on the Doris Foyers Road. January 2004, a Scottish girl and two friends saw an enormous eel at the Doris Salmon Farm. It was 30 feet long and appeared to move its tail. It ran off. It was gone upon their return. Back to Ian now, who will finish off with some recent land sightings. Sure, will do. So, so what we're going to do here, uh, let's have a look there. So, more contemporary sightings coming up to round off with. So in January 2004, the Inverness Courier reported a land sighting of the monster that happened on Dawes Beach by three young women aged between 19 and 21. Three stunners were walking along the shore when one of them shouted that she had found an anaconda. When the others reached the spot, they saw what they described as an enormous eel, about 30 feet long. They thought it was dead to begin with, but appeared to move its tail as they watched. All three of them ran off screaming. They went back to their car, but decided to go back to the scene to take some photos of the thing, only to find that it had indeed been alive and was no longer there and must have slithered back into the lock. So... If we look at the picture there, I don't need to say next picture, Hemi, because you spoilt it and put it up. But <laughs> if you look at that one there, well, look who it ain't, eh? Your old mate. Your old mate. Yeah. Essie Hunter, Steve Felton. Wanker. Leaves, he has solved the mystery of three women being a giant eel. On Doors Beach. Is there? I've got one question for Steve Felton. Do you get a lot of Alka-Theme pipe just washing up on Loch Ness Shore? Yeah. Well, I have no question for Steve Felton. I have no time for him at all after the uh, you know after his rude. sulk. Extremely uh, rude, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, called me a name anyway. Um. Anyway, so Steve said. Steve said it was it was most likely that they saw a length of piping discarded from the nearby fish farm. What a fucking the bunch pipes of idiots are, they are, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. The pipes fancy, are black. Fancy falling for the old pipe on the beach routine. <laughs> exactly. And that's just what Feltham said. He was probably just jealous, wasn't he? Just ruining it. They probably did see the monster and he hasn't. So being like, you know, a spiteful person, um, very, very touchy, yeah. very, very, uh, very thin-skinned person, yeah. isn't he? Exactly. No testes. So, 
Anyway, so basically, um, where was I? Probably a bummer. Yeah, so. probably, probably makes me have a car, <laughs> doesn't he? Exactly. And Mark <laughs> Almond. <laughs> Mark Almond got what was stum- pumped out of him uh, from, from Steve. So, yeah. We <laughs> all happened. Anyway, okay, so. So anyway, Steve went on. Uh, the pipes are black and about three inches thick and come uh, with an adapter that looks like a hump. Uh, there are great shards of it about, and when it's flapping about on the shore, it looks like a live eel. Mr. Feltham, who has lived in a converted van on the shores of the lock since 1991, said, uh, yeah, well, right, of course he, does he, he has. He? <laughs> he doesn't, because <laughs> yeah. we found him like, out on that little lie, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. We yeah, caught yeah. him out on that one. We're all falling for that one. Well, I did anyway. Drove all that way for fuck all. Anyway, so he weren't even in. Remember the fourteen words exclusive. You heard it here first. Yeah, doesn't live in a van. Is uh, in fact a poser. <laughs> it was with a man. In, he lives with a man in a van. Right. Yeah. So, Mark Olman. Uh, a white van man. <laughs> anyway, Eltham. <laughs> Use the pipe could easily be mistaken for a living creature. So, yeah, uh, he went on. Is that because he, big... is, it, is that because what he thinks? Yeah. He'd walk along to a bit of pipe and went, "Oh, it's an alien!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm scared. I pulled my pants. <laughs> went on. There was about sixty feet of it in the water and had a great big chunks of it on the beach. If we put the next picture up, we got a more clearer look of what what he's on about, you know. The next picture there, that's sort of what the girls, what Steve thinks the girls saw that day. Oh, definitely, without doubt, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're going to fall for that one, Hobbit, aren't you? Hobbit, wouldn't so, you think that that was an eel? Yeah, with a bit well, of string said, tied around it. it. I mean, like... It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's an eel an with, its, with a suitcase, obviously. How, 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 how much does this teach you to drinking to, to say, yeah, that's an eel? Yeah. Big, a big plastic... Adapter as, uh, attached to it, and there's some yeah. string tied around it, and you think, "Oh yeah, that's flesh and blood." Oh, definitely, no, it's a, fa- with a it's, suitcase. That is definitely. It's a Fata Morgana swamp gas over Venus, is what it is. Yeah, definitely anyway, Fata Morgana yeah. that one. So, so that's what <laughs> Feldham thinks the girls mistook for the monster. So, Mister Feldham then went on to read negative comments made about him on YouTube by a nasty man. He then started to cry wet his pants, and ran home to his mummy. So <laughs> <he started>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're just uh, round off now So with a more recent sighting. So on the 2nd of February 2009, Ian Moncton from so- uh, Solihull took his fiancée, Ch- Tracy Jordan, to a cottage in Invermorrison on the shores of Loch Ness to celebrate her 30th birthday. <clears throat> On their way back to the village, at about the driver's window was wound down before the couple stopped the car. They heard a commotion in the water, and using the car headlights and the flash from the camera to check their footing on the rocks, on the rocky shores of the lock, Ian unwittingly took a photo of the elusive creature. So what we'll do, let's have a look at the next picture, um, Hemi, and see what he took. The photo... Oh, without I doubt, that's the, lo- that's the Loch Ness Monster, without a shadow of a <laughs> I don't even know if it's in the water, but yeah, apparently Hobbit, they took that. Hobbit, do you reckon that's the, uh, that's the Loch Ness Monster? 
Is it? it it's not a piece of chicken. <laughs> I was going to roast chicken, roast chicken, yeah. But anyway, so instead of the incident, there is clearly a very large shape in the water that looks aquatic, a few meters out from where I was standing. There, there's just not, the there's not clearly the anything in anything there. <laughs> <laughs> well. Anyway, there's the tips of the trees lower uh, down the um, down the slope to the lock in the photo. I can see no trees, but anyway, myself and Tracy were always quite sceptical about Nessie, but having this experience, I would say, you know, I have a very open mind about the matter, maybe an open relationship as well. Is, was hang that, hang the, on a minute. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that his is that his dick picture? I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the rest of it? <laughs> Jim, yeah. Jim, Cook, Jim Cook says in the chat, he said, thank God everyone now carries a good camera in their pockets so they can get amazing mm. photos like this. <laughs> anyway, Ian went on. It's the highlight of our trip. We'll definitely be back, and we are struggling to get an explanation for what we caught on camera. Well, Just spent the evening at Drunla Drocket. I, I think that'll be a, yeah. that'll be a mystery for the ages, that one. What the fuck mm-hmm. are you taking a picture of there? Uh, anyway, we just spent the evening in Drummond Drocket, and on our way back, we stopped off at Urca Castle to take a few photos, but the light that illuminated the castle was switched off, so we, there were no photo opportunities there. Then we pulled over into a parking point to let a car pass as my fiance was driving, as I had had a few pints and I was quite pissed, and she doesn't drive fast. I had the passenger window open as I was having a spliff at the time, and as we pulled into the lay-by, there was a rustling sound and a splash. It sounded like it sounded as if a mini had landed in the water. That's how loud it was. We both looked at each other, and I said, "What the fucking hell was what that?" What is the sound of a it mini was... landing in the water? Well, similar to the sound <laughs> of a like fiesta. There's the sound of a fiesta landing in the water. Yeah, we were just chilling. Oh yeah, or a uh, um, parade, <laughs> if, uh, you know, only what were the other ones? Big tits, big tits, mentally, uh, whatever. So, Gavin Reavers, uh, it was a, it was a small, it wasn't a small splash, like a piece of debris or, or stone falling into the lock. It sounded like a car or motorbike had rolled down into the lock. I got out of the car and walked to the edge using the light from the car headlights to see uh, where the edge of the lock dropped away and taking snaps with the camera so the flash would let me see where to tread. Um, the couple called out to see if anyone was there. Maybe someone was caught short and was having a piss or a shit down there, but I couldn't hear anything apart from the water splashing around the lock. And there you go. But that's the best he could come out with that crappy photo. That's terrible. But that was his encounter. So basically, there we have it, what we've covered tonight. Um, Loch Ness Monster land sightings. So we can do, if you put the next picture up, Hemi, we can see what we've learned um, from tonight's episode. If we can all have a look at that. Loch Ness Monster in space, like Leprechaun. Do (laughs) I think what we should do, and also show the people at home the various pictures all together. There we go, look, see? What does that say? There's all the pictures we've looked at tonight. Loch Ness um, Monster in the Hood. We could do that next, Steve. Mm, yeah, we could do. Um, 
Have I missed any Hobbit? Yeah, Abbott and Abbott. Oh, uh, basically. No, those are the two. That you, yeah. Loch Ness monster in Las Vegas. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, no, but look, what we can see there is um, there's not just uh, one Loch Ness monster, is there? Um, from what we can see. Yeah, there's the testicle one. Well, we there's the cock one as well, and the camel one. <laughs> yeah. There's various the ones there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's quite a few, though, isn't there? So, so yeah. Um, it's one that's half Loch Ness monster, half camel. <laughs> yeah. The Loch Ness the, monster uh, is the, the friend the... you meet along the way, Ian. It's the black plug, <laughs> the camel, jizz monster with a sort of a foreskin. Uh... And yeah, the classic monsters as well, and also that stupid photo. But there you go. So there you go. You have uh, there. We have the Loch Ness monster on land. Thank Before's you and good night. Before's definitely a whale penis. Oh no, thank there's, you. There's some one more about that. One more, Uncle. What's <laughs> going off? All right. Let's okay go. then. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Come back on. We'll do all right. One more. One more. They want more. So, so just do one last, one last, uh, last tale then. Just for the, just to, this one isn't on the album, but uh-huh. the 29th of June, 1916, Dog Walker, Dog Walker on the shore of Loch Ness came across a grotesque sight of a rotting carcass of a long necked creature. So, put the next picture up, please, Hemi, and see what was uh, seen. There you go. That was why, what why the guts walk. perfectly preserved while the skin and everything is interesting. Right to the exactly. next picture as well, we got a different angle. We can have another look, more of a close up of the guts. And it's the, not uh, just the odds and sods from the local butcher, is it? Well, basically, experts pointed out that uh, the skeleton was that of a giraffe. It seemed odd what? that the skin had rotted away, yet the guts were still intact. Yeah, they would have burst, wouldn't they? Yeah. Why has it got three legs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a string of sausages. But anyway, it later came to light. And why, and why is the neck in clearly two different, two different <clears throat> spines that have just been left in the middle? <laughs> but that's uh, white. That's white pudding, and it's like they've gone to the butcher. And it's like you got any, um, you got any ribs? I'm, I'm making a. A stock. Oh, and I'll, I'll have like thirty foot of white pudding, please. Bone, a bone. <laughs> Some livers. Um, anyway, but it later came to light that um, the creature had been mocked up for no, a TV program. No. So yeah, so uh, again, we're disappointed there. And there you go. Those scientists in them science places—they're they're always so reliable. Special effects department of that TV program ought to be fired. <laughs> Worst Doctor Who villain ever. <laughs> well, hang on, it's not canine, is it? <laughs> uh, but, uh, so there you go. And they, there's our program Do you know tonight. What so to we have got... Here he is now. <laughs> <laughs> we have got time for an explained pistries. Yeah, we had done it. We had done it in a while, have we? I think we should have some. Uh, some new stuff. Yeah, we should have some new stuff. Um, oh, we have something in the chat there. Hang on. I think I'm on the wrong mouse here. Do we have... 
Yeah. I'm dead here. Oh. oh, I'm just sorting this out. Um... About time, though, we got some advert on or something for times like this, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah isn't it? An advert. Who wants to advertise? Anyone out there want to advertise something? Yeah, it was, they still have us. Pre. Oh, wrong one. That's. Uh... Yeah. I find unexplained mysteries. UNESCO. What was the tale? What was the tale we had? Oh, bloody UNESCO. Yeah. Everyone's favourite cover-uppers. Yeah. Uh, so, real it's a flavoured butter. So what we do, it uh, butters from South Park. Uh, everyone knows it's butters. Um, That's life, me. Do you want to do the real-life Adams family that discussed ghosts in quirky t- TV interview? Let's not say we did. Uh, <laughs> after, oh, yeah, the... She follow this this one follows on from the trailer I showed you guys earlier, Megan, where some woman buys her daughter a sex robot. Um right. humanoid AI robot becomes first ever to speak at the House of Lords. I bet they're all still I bet they're still all what the fuck? Is this bloke trying to shag that thing, is he? <laughs> oh, is, that the, is that the sex robot? Ada. Looks a bit Ada. like Jess, but I wouldn't even rape that robot. <laughs> to, to, to quote uh, Sargon. Um, after Ada Lovelace, I reckon. Oh, God. Uh, developed by Aidan Meller. So I think he's named it after himself. Uh, it was a specialist... That, Meller the Smeller. It was a specialist in modern and contemporary art. Ada... Oh, God, it's even worse than a science project. It's an arts project. Oh, my God. I th- Actually, I don't, I don't think I Ada's even into it. Because I am making art. I am making art. Sporting a short black bob, a pair of dungarees, and two unskinned artificial arms, the eerie lifelike contraption spoke to the House of Lords Communications and Digital Committee today on the topic of whether creativity was under attack by artificial, intelli- artificial intelligence and technology. Oh, yeah, they're moaning about the AI, the AI thing that can make anything that you write, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, because they're saying no, no artist will be out of a job, and it's just like, well, they get good. Stop making. They haven't got a fucking Stop job. making hor- horrible art which nobody likes, and make stuff which people do like. Did you see uh, what's yeah. his name? Uh, uh, what's it? Damien Hurst was in the news. He's his new uh, his new thing where he like burns old pictures or something. That's his yeah. new art project. That, that's been done before, though, isn't it? Well, it Isn't the uh, new art project where they like uh, glue themselves sort of to priceless uh, paint paintings and and say this is because they're selling milk in Harrods? It's killing the planet. Mm. Uh, Pennsylvania mm, state officials play down Bigfoot warning signs. Uh, uh, spokesperson has emphasised that dozens of official-looking signs warning visitors about Bigfoot are not actually legitimate. Oh yeah, but that's con- that's convenient, isn't it? It's yeah. Just you know, post all these signs and say, "Oh, it's it's some prankster. It's not us that are pointing them to here." Yeah, Bigfoot is not real. Signs in Pennsylvania parks trails. Oh, Bigfoot is not real. Signs. So they've been saying Bigfoot is not real. All oh, right, spoiling the fun. Yeah, signs in Pennsylvania parks trails. Parks trails asking. Signs in Pennsylvania parks, comma, trails <laughs> asking residents to report signs and scientists weren't posted by officials. What, what the f- uh, fucking hell? That scans I, well. Yeah, that, that yeah. means really, really well, that does, doesn't it? 
Friends in Pennsylvania, Yeah. Bigfoot is not real. Signs in Pennsylvania parks. Trails asking residents to report sightings that weren't posted by officials. Bigfoot is not real. Bigfoot is not real. Signs in Pennsylvania parks. To pick up. Just on the ceiling. Yeah. Uh. Psychologists are now closer than ever to understanding deja vu. Do they know what the French for deja vu is yet? I, I do this. know that the um, what's it called? Uh, the French have no word for entrepreneur. <laughs> George, George Bush told me that. Yeah. I get this. I keep getting this feeling of deja vu. Yeah. I kept getting this feeling of deja vu. I kept getting this feeling of deja vu. You watch De- George Deja. Yeah, you got Alzheimer's, you. mate. You watch Dave, Dave Charvu. Remember the channel Dave Charvu? Is Dave the uh, plus one? Channel? Oh, yeah. You all have exists. Alzheimer's. Dave, it's Dave plus one, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah it exists. <laughs> you can watch, um, you can watch uh, what's it called? Uh, Room 101. And um, Yeah. Like Room 101, but you've got to watch the, the end of that Richard Osman's House of Games, which is shit from what I can see that program. <laughs> I, 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 he's not that good on his own, is he, Richard Osman? I think he needs uh, that game. That program's just shit. It's just they're just. It's just desperate to make things up, make a game up. To the point where the game is so crap, you're thinking this is shit. Well, it's anyway, comedians do, it's comedians do it. Not not a lot of them have, have any create have a bone of create creativity in them, do they? They just do whatever everyone else says they should do. Wants to be a millionaire is good, even though it's very stale now. But that's a good game show. Oh, he's. Uh, I haven't watched a single one with Clarkson. Is, it? is he good? No, me neither. You get a bit bored of it, and you think the first like half of it is, is the easy questions, and you think that's this is like uh, a waste of time. Well, their 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 peak was just before the cheating scandal. I still I still believe the yeah. cheating scandal was all fake. I think it was just done to coffin improve the uh, improve the rating. Yeah. Now we can't afford. Um, it's going to be. We can't afford to watch TV soon, isn't it? It's going to be too expensive. How do you test deja vu in the psychology lab? Uh, anyway, maybe uh, let's do this. Uh, have you ever had the weird feeling you've experienced the same situation before, even though that's impossible? Uh, yeah, every time Marvel put out a new series and then call you racist for saying it was crap. Um, sometimes it can even seem like you're reliving something that has already happened. This phenomenon, known as déjà vu, just in case you didn't know, has puzzled philosophers, neurologists, and writers for a very long time. Starting in the late 1800s, many theories began to emerge regarding what might cause déjà vu, which means already seen in French. People thought it may be may be stemmed from a mental dysfunction or perhaps some sort of brain problem. Or maybe it was a temporary hiccup in the otherwise normal operation of human memory. But the topic did not reach the realm of science until quite recently. Glitch uh, in the Matrix. Yep. Moving from that, I think that's why they did the black cat picture at the front, wasn't it? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's I think they're um, alluding to it. Moving from the paranormal to the scientific. Early in this millennium, a scientist named Alan Brad. This is written awful. Um, 
decided to conduct a review of everything researchers had written about Deja Vu until that point. How does he know he's reviewed everything that researchers have written? Or some hidden tablet. Yeah. Under a, in a tomb. Yeah. <laughs> Much of what he could find had a paranormal flavour. Something to do with the supernatural bit like past lives or psychic abilities but he also found studies that surveyed regular people about their deja vu appearances from all these papers brown was able to glean some basic findings on the deja vu phenomenon for example brown determined that roughly two-thirds of people experienced deja vu at some point in their lives he determined the most common common trigger of deja vu is a scene or place and the next most common trigger is a conversation he also reported on hints throughout a century or so of medical literature literature of a possible association between deja vu and some types of types of seizure activity in the brain so don't worry people if you've had deja vu you're having a seizure perfectly normal (laughs) you are actually psychic yeah brown's review brought the topic of deja vu into the realm of more mainstream science because it appeared in both a scientific journal that scientists who study cognition tend to read (laughs) well that's a glowing indictment they tend to read it (laughs) And also in a book aimed at scientists. What the fuck is this? Uh, his work served as a catalyst for scientists to design experiments to investigate deja vu. Uh, prompted by Brown's work, my own research team began conducting experiments aimed at testing hypotheses about possible mechanisms of deja vu. We investigated a near-century-old hypothesis that suggested deja vu can happen when there's a spatial rem resemblance between a current scene and an unrecalled scene in your memory psychologists called this the gestalt familiarity hypothesis so literally you should have a deja vu every time you go downstairs in the morning then is what they're saying aren't they it's a load of bollocks they don't know what they're talking about yeah this this is this is sharks dreaming all over again isn't it for example i'm Imagine you're passing a nursing station into a hospital unit on your way to visit a sick friend. Although you've never been to this hospital before, you are struck with the feeling that you have. The underlying cause for the experience of deja vu could be the layout of the scene, including the placement of the furniture and the particular objects within the space, have the same layout as a different scene that you did experience in the past. This is bollocks like like usually you'd be getting deja vu all over your own house if, if this is <laughs> fucking knobheads aren't they well i'm not reading any more of this this sounds like fucking bullshit to me how about you no i'm i'm, I'm, I'm done with it basically yeah. a brain fart uh, basically, so deja vu. I had, to take, I had to take five so i missed the last bit where was it deja vu you missed <laughs> fuck all yeah, you missed, you missed scientists doing science in. Fuck scientists. Yeah. Uh, did intelligence alien did it? Did intelligent aliens visit and guide the ancient Mesopotamians? Oh, do you, do you want some uh, man-made horrors beyond my comprehension? Scientists have spliced human t- brain tissue into the brains of rats. Nice, beautiful. Because that yeah. worked, that worked out well in. Um, Blue, what's it called? Blue, what's the fucking you know, deep blue sea? That worked out well in that messing around with shit. Well, well, it might it sound like an ex- or something. It so- might sound like an experiment worthy of Doctor Frankenstein, but we don't yeah. have to worry about rat men anytime soon. 
It's easy to become concerned when you hear about human brain tissue being spliced into the brains of another animal. I, I, I wonder why it's, it's easy to get concerned about such things. But in this particular case, there's nothing to worry about because we say so. Experiment is actually part of a recent effort to find new types of treatment for neuropsychiatric disorders. What, like the neuropsychiatric disorder of I'm half man, half rat? (laughs) (laughs) This is like, oh, I know, I'll stick a beagle's head into this tent with sand fleas till it gets tortured to death. Uh, for, for research purposes, I'm Anthony Fauci. Sam, Sam, you're Anthony Fauci. You've got to torture these beagles for science, Sam. Otherwise, you won't go kind of leap out of here. Um, the Actually, research which I, was I identify as a were rat, and I find your comments distressing. <laughs> research which was headed up by well, they're calling it neuroscientists by fucking sadistic cunt Sergio Pasca. So some subhuman filth of Stanford University took lumps of self-organizing human brain tissue, which he's probably got from uh, aborted baby fetuses. It doesn't say where he got it from, but we know that that means from abortions. Grown in a lab and then transplanted... Yes, grown in a lab. Yeah, okay. And then transplanted them into the nervous system of baby rats so they became a functioning part of the animal's brains. The technique makes for an effective way to overcome the limitations of growing samples in dishes. No. Oh, it, it, it's so sanitised, this fucking article. Me, me, most of the work that my lab has been doing has been m- motivated by my sick fantasies. Uh, I mean, by the mission of trying to understand psychiatric disorders at the biological level, so we can actually find effective therapeutics. Pascal explained whilst masturbating at a podium. Many of these psychiatric conditions, such as autism and schizophrenia, are likely uniquely human, or at least they are anchored in unique features of the human brain. And the human brain has certainly not been very accessible. They won't let me put my... I'm not going to carry on, sorry. Which has precluded the progress we've been making in understanding the biology of these conditions. In other words, this is a fucking sicko who likes to stick his penis into bits of gore and he's trying to justify it. Fuck's sake. Fuck you, Sergio Pasca. What sort of name is Sergio Pasca anyway? This sounds Hungarian. We're able to attach an ear to a mouse as well, weren't they? Yeah, they do all sorts of weird things. That, that, that's, a, that's a human uh, chimera where, you see, it's illegal to do human cloning, and it still is. I don't know why. Um, the, 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 the sort of ethics concerned, and I'm surprised they haven't just... I should imagine if you go uh, to the right country, you can do it anyway. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, there is no, there are no um, uh, legal protections against chimeras. So if you were to make a clone and introduce, say, 1% bovine DNA into it, well, it's not legally a human, so you can do whatever you like to it, including like vivisecting it whilst it's alive and sticking bits of its brain into a mouse's nervous system. Fucking hell. Uh, have you seen Boston Dynamics have said, we're not going to make any weaponized robots. So when you're being eaten by a Chinese robot that runs on biofuel, just, just at least Boston ah, Dynamics ah. agreed not to make any weaponized robots. Can I just say for, for that that was developed by the Ministry of Defense and that robot is called Tyrannus. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, 
Because uh, why they not? said it's unlikely there would be a considerable increase in efforts by international bodies such as the United Nations to make it illegal to build or use weaponized robots. But briefly, why is it they always ones? do this stuff when when they they do all these placative things like you shouldn't be worried about like this 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 uh, Jeffrey Dahmer sticking bits of human babies into rats. You shouldn't be worried about robots that will harvest your biomass to use as fuel to murder more people. Why do they all start these articles with, you shouldn't be worried about this tyrannical evil thing that we're doing? Just get on with your mundane lives. Don't worry about it. Just keep on paying your taxes. Just uh... Just keep on going to work. Fucking hell, have you seen that mountain goat? Cyclist encounters the Arnold Schwarzenegger of mountain goats. Fuck me, look at that thing. It's a fucking monster. Ooh. Bastard. Ah, now that might be interesting. It's a fierce eyes. Do you yeah, remember yeah. Jack Osborne? Yeah. A gun in his mouth. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's the bike's handlebars. Hobbit. Is that a gun? Is that a gun in his house now, or is he just pleased to see me? Just pleased. Jack Osborne. He's uh, discusses paranormal encounters at his childhood home, and he uh, does a big. Yeah, he, program, does a lot, does he does a lot of ghost programs on Discovery Plus. You should um, get him on the show. Hey, <laughs> Hobbit, Hobbit, never, never mind, never mind the vax, Hobbit. You, 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 you're never going to need to uh, refuse it anyway, because scientists are going to use mosquitoes to deliver experimental malaria vaccine. Bill Gates has been wanking over that for decades now. <laughs> oh, is it, are they still not? Well, it says they, you, they've used it, Hobbit. Yeah, and they're also saying that they're going to just put mRNA serums in water and food as well. Yeah. So it, 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 we can't call these things vaccines. It's mRNA germ germline therapy. You know, it's not a vaccination. A vaccination is something else. Except uh, the definition of vaccine changed two years ago. Uh, for well, you know, um, we are neither condoning nor condemning any uh, edits to this one then, uh, words. During and... the trial, several volunteers visited the lab to be vaccinated by placing their exposed arm inside a, ca- a tank filled with mosquitoes that were carrying experimented on. Well, experimented some ended, on. Well, some ended up badly bitten. The unusual method of, method of delivery did prove effective. <laughs> for fuck's sake! I hate this. I find this deeply disturbing, and I hate it. Yeah, yeah let's move shows, on to another one. Video shows shark in residential backyard during Hurricane Ian. <laughs> no, you've got a video now, mate. Did you know you call shark attacks? Yeah. You say you're a hurricane now. Yeah. Um, Sharknado. Yeah. yeah. Should be your nickname, Sharknado. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre moaning sounds sounds seem to be plaguing American Airlines flights. It's a hundred mile, what's it, club, whatever. It describes as being halfway between an orgasm and vomiting. The sounds were like a peculiar moaning or groaning as though someone was struggling with constipation while under the influence. (laughs) What a weird fucking sound. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, it was the sound was yeah coming. Was it from the toilets? 
the only place you can. That's the only place you can. Suppose you could, you could Someone have a hand spike. drop into your tr Someone into your tray. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> something's going on there anyway, definitely. Uh, what else we got here? UFO appears in official logo of US Aviation Intelligence Office. Mm. There you go. Let's have a look then. What do you think to that? Office of the Director of National Intelligence, NIM Aviation. Too small to see. Ah, here we go. Oh, yeah. Can you see it now? Yeah, but what is the what's the what's the the organization? Uh, is it called again? Some intelligence. It says NIM NIM Aviation, the Director of National Intelligence Office of the Office of Director of National Intelligence. I can't work out what it doesn't. Obviously, you wouldn't want to know what NIM stands for. Oh, the unexpected extra turned up in the official seal for the National Intelligence Manager oh. Aviation, NIM-A. So it's National Intelligence Manager Aviation. And it looks, the logo itself looks like the plane going into the Twin Towers as well. <laughs> <laughs> With three got, towers. I, don't, I don't know what that other thing is either. So you got... You it looks got, like a flying saucer. No, not the flying saucer. The one, the one above it on the, the one with the black at the end of the black arrow. Oh, is that supposed to be a, a helicopter? A... I think it's supposed to be a helicopter, isn't it? It's the second plane, isn't it? <laughs> the plane. Then in the middle, there's a flame. Look, there's a flame. Yeah, red flame. Anyway, there's that one. Uh... Woman heard fairy laughter while lost in the woods of Ireland. It was probably. Uh, yeah. It was probably. Uh, what's it? What's his, name, Guinness. what's his name that does the does the chat? Ogan. Oh, I can't remember his fucking name. I don't know. Um, the other one, the com the comedian. I don't know. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. That's the one. It was probably probably um, that fairy that was laughing in the woods. Frank Carlson. <laughs> Frank, it's a cracker. I'd be alright if he was in He's the woods dead. and you heard someone go, "It's a cracker." <laughs> the ghost of Frank Carson because he's dead. What started out as a relaxing woodland stroll soon turned into a terrifying ordeal for one woman from Meath yeah. in Ireland. Uh, in legends and folklore, fairies tend to be depicted as mischievous but benign beings. Yet there are also stories of encounters with these creatures that would seem to call this idea into serious doubt. Uh, yeah, listen to our fairy episode, which was quite good and spooky. In this particular case, the woman whose name is we do one, yeah, we did one ages ago. Me and Ian, me and not me and Ian, me and Zero. Oh right, um, that's what you do the cotton leaf, the cotton leaf fairies. No, we could do one on that one if you want to do that one. Yeah, that would be a good one. I don't know how much I don't know how much mileage there is on it though. Because didn't, didn't she now say they're all, they're all not fake except for the last the last one was fake? Oh, she's now. dead. They're both dead now. But they did a program. I think they were on one of the um, they were on Arthur C. Clarke actually. In they the did 80s. a film. They did a film about it, didn't they? In the early two thousand. Yeah, was this one of the McGanns, wasn't it? When yeah. the McGann brothers were everywhere. But um, Blaine McGann. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all McGann. Yeah. It's but, just a mystery. Um, Nobody knows what happened to Madeleine McCann. 
It's See, just a massive not, mystery I, that no one can solve. Yeah. Could have a look. If we have, I thought that we we didn't do it, did we, the cotton leaf theories? If we haven't, we can have a look and yeah. see how much mileage there is, because there's, like, there's not really much there's not really We did a lot of fairy folklore and stuff like that about um, changelings and when they turn you when they turn you cow into uh, tofu and stuff like that. Some girls um some girls took some fake fairy photos. Conan Doyle thought it was real because he had had some tragedies in his life and had a bit of a mental breakdown. And um, then they admitted years later that the fairy f- were fakes and show you how you did it. So there you go. I thought That's they it. changed their mind again and said it was all real. Except for the I think in the end they pretty much said, no, they're all fakes. I think they probably said, no, they were fairies just for a laugh. Yeah. He faked the photos, but no, they were real fairies. Because <laughs> I, I, I thought they did it. Wasn't they it a deathbed confession? What? Yeah, so on their deathbed, where they're saying actually no, they were real, but we just, uh, uh, well, mm. with with um, in the nineteen twenties with no with like fashionable. She just went fa- fashion. Just went no, it was not faked. No backsies. Died because they had like fashion. The theories had fashionable haircuts and clothes from it's from the nineteen twenties. Yeah. What you saying? The little people don't follow human fashions. What are you, some sort of bigot? Yeah. If they're following our fashions, that's cultural appropriation. But um, ones that appear in magazines of the age are going to look wear clothes of the age. So when you cut them out and take pictures of them, then uh, they're going to look. But anyway, that's that's a possibility. Oh, there you go. Uh, it says more fairies. Traditional fairies kidnapped children and drank human blood. There you go. Mm. Cottingley fairies goes on picture goes on display. So there you go. The old the oldest known surviving contact print of one of the original Cottingley fairies photos is now on display. Uh, the story of the Cottingley fairies came from the unlikeliest of sources. Two young cousins, Elsie Wright and Francie Griffith from Cottingley, England. Uh, so they played at the stream at the bottom. I don't want to say too much if we're going to do an episode. Of it. They're playing musical instruments as well. Yeah, yeah. Who made the little trumpets? Who made their little trumpets? Uh, where's it? Oh, it's in Texas. It's gone to Texas anyway. The, now the very first image developed in 1917 from the original Francis of the Fairy Ring negative has gone up on display at the Museum of the Weird in Austin, Texas. So the angle oh, Well done. Like, look at that picture though. It's like if I get loads of little Warhammer miniatures in front of me, so look, I've, I've found some fairies in power armor. You could be the, you could be the new Cottingly Fairy, Dom. <laughs> Uh, uh, that would be Steve Felton, wouldn't he? He's a fairy. That's <laughs> <laughs> the new cottonly fairy. <laughs> I'll send you a fairy. Yeah. <laughs> Sensitive fairy. Renewed calls for Prince Philip's Royal X-Files to be, be-, be released. Mm. He believed in UFOs, apparently. Yeah, apparently he was investigating what it released. Yeah. Uh- Oh, so the Duke allegedly became first interested in UFO. You don't have to say allegedly if he's dead, do you? Uh, first become interested in UFOs after his uncle, Lord Mountbatten, 
wrote an official report yeah. about a strange object that landed in his estate in Romsey, Hampshire, back in 1955. Well, it wasn't a small boy, he was, was it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was. He was. He was no good, was he? He was a bit of a rider, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Bit of the Edward Heaths about him. Yeah, a bit of the Edward Heaths. Or if he killed a boy, but he did have a. Oh, he's also thought to have owned a copy of Haunted Skies, the Encyclopedia of British UFOs. Well, he was good friends with Jimmy Savile. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mountbatten was allegedly dead, wasn't he? No, but King Charles. He was. Oh no! Oh no! Scientists have been stumped, lads. Mysterious blobs of blue goo on ocean floor stump scientists. Well, it's obviously some sort of fucking sea cucumber or something, isn't it? Bilges. Yeah, well, just get it up and chop it in half. Well, just get it up and give it to Fauci. He'll find out what how it ticks, won't he? While some of the scientists suggested they might be some sort of soft coral or sponge, the team was ultimately unable to agree on an explanation. Like, they know... It's not, it's not that they don't know what it is. It's like they're too lazy to fucking get it and cut it in half, are they? <sighs> Does anybody know the punchline to this one? Doctors treat woman who swallowed 55 AA and AAA batteries. Um... There's got to be a punchline to that one, isn't there? She was charged with... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you tell me. She was charged with a battery. I know. Yeah. Jeff, I know. Uh, Jeff yeah. said, said about his mate. Uh, his mate Denzel's place got got burgled, didn't it? They they attacked him and uh, and shoved shoved the uh, shoved the vacuum cleaner up his ass. He said he's pick. Uh, Jethro said he's picking up proper now. Uh. <laughs> uh Constipated scorpions among subjects of this year's IG Nobel Prize winners. <laughs> you know what happens with constipated uh, accountants, don't you? They work it out with a pencil. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh the, it's it's the Ig Nobel Prize. It's the knockoff one. So it's it's the it's recognition to those who have contributed to the world of science in more more unusual ways. That's why. <laughs> uh, Biology prize this year went to a team from the University of Sao Paulo in Brazil who investigated whether constipation had any effect on the mating habits of scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> the, the engineering prize, meanwhile, went to a team of researchers who, who decided to determine the most efficient way for someone to use their fingers when turning a doorknob. Uh, yep, that sounds like a, a a good a good time. Yeah, the art history prize went to a project project entitled "A Multidisciplinary Approach to Ritual Enema Scenes on an Ancient Maya Pottery," while the physics prize went to a project focused on determining how ducklings managed to swim in a straight line behind their mother. Um, They're shitting me. The but the bizarreness <laughs> was rounded up with the safety engineering prize. Which went to a team who developed a life-size moose crash test dummy made out of rubber. Ah, <laughs> oh, I fucking love science. That you, Hobbit? It's brilliant. We need more more research into do shark sleep. <laughs> oh, the, do you know it was the Mothman Festival, Ian? 
I know they have one. I didn't know it was on now, but uh, yeah, yeah, they do have September, one. September, I think it was. Uh, crowds mm. of revelers are expected to send on West Virginia this weekend to celebrate all things Mothman. Yep. Uh, so there you go. The Mothman Festival. Oh, I think you talked about the Mothman Festival, didn't you, in the Mothman episode? We did see some pictures, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the science fiction people were there yeah. as well. Should not we end just with a the... spooky one? Have you seen this creepy AI-generated woman, Loab, is social media's latest urban legend? Uh, an eerie face envisaged within the mind of artificial intelligence See, seems to be yeah. the internet's latest answer to send a slender man. Earlier this year, we covered the story of the remarkable and disturbing capabilities of OpenAI's Dor... Is it Dali or Dorley? I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, artificial intelligence, which which can generate images of absolutely anything at all simply by typing in a description of it in natural language and letting it interpret the rest as the request as it sees fit. The result. Someone in the chat, tell me what the open source equivalent of Dali is, because they they now make it the sense of uh, things if if you're trying to make like a uh, something political or funny. Oh, okay. You're not allowed to be funny now. Y- yeah, you're not allowed to put like uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, seen uh, the car crash or something like that. Hillary Clinton servicing Cessna. Hillary Clinton shredding emails. <laughs> the results can be unnerving, to say, to say the least, leading to a whole new category of image, usually a frighteningly distorted and creepy of mundane things. As imagine, that's how it's written. Yeah, the results can be unnerving, to say the least, leading to a whole new category of image, usually frightening. Frighteningly distorted and creepy of mundane things as image imagined. Why did they put that bit in the middle? As imagined by an AI computer algorithm. And why didn't they put it in brackets? Why did they put hyphens in there? God, <laughs> these people. The latest product of these tre- this trend, which has been something of an urban legend on social media, is the face of a woman called Loab, so that's L-O-A-B, which was created by Twitter musician Super Composite using a custom AI text-to-image model Similar to, but not the same as old do, 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 Dali or whatever the fuck it's called. So there is another one. There, there's an AI text-to-image model that's similar, but not the same as Dali Hobbit. Yeah, Salvador Dali. Yeah, ah right. That's that's what the Dali. Yes, I get it now. Mm. Uh, it's all floppy clocks. By messing around with what are known as negative prompts, she was able to get the AI to repeatedly produce variations of the image of a woman with distorted features and red cheeks. What's weird is because of the way the system generates these images, this woman's face seems to somehow exist within the latent space of the AI's memory and in fact represents the negative of a request to produce an image of something else, an opposite of all sorts. Exactly why the AI repeatedly produces a version of this particular face remains unclear, which makes the resulting images all the creepier, especially given some of them are quite disturbing. Ultimately, the phenomenon is likely to be a quirk in the software, but it's a tra- strange one nonetheless. nonetheless. Some oh, social- so she's a ghost in the machine. Yeah. yeah. Some social media users have rec- come to regard Loab as a Slenderman type figure, a boogeyman or boogie woman of the internet age. The stuff that creepy past the nightmares are made of. Her di- her discoverer has since come to regard her as the first cryptid of latent space. A fitting title to be sure. There you go. 
does look a bit weird, doesn't she? Looks like uh, there's just her cheek muscles showing through. Yeah, looks very weird. Right, that's me done. How about you, lads? Any more for any more? No, I'm, I'm willing to uh, do it tonight. Yeah, okay. Right, good night all. Stay spooky. Say good night, Hobbit. Well, well.